Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Wednesday. It's Thanksgiving Eve. I'm Dave DeFore here with Seth Partnow and Moda Keel. This is Nerder, she wrote. And we decided this week to do a special Thanksgiving mailbag edition of the show. So thank you guys for submitting all your questions over at The Athletic. We did this as a subscriber mailbag. It was just honestly an easier way to organize and I'm pretty overwhelmed with the response. We got 60 some odd comments and questions uh, over at The Athletic. And right now is a perfect time if you're not a subscriber to go and subscribe. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. You can sign up for just a buck a month. Maybe you're already a subscriber. Buy one for your dad. It's cheap. 12 bucks for the whole year. And you get these pods advertising free. Uh, always a good reason to subscribe to The Athletic. Guys, uh... You and you get some great writers. And you get some great well, writers. And you get some Seth great Parnell, writers. That's right. Sam Amick, Zach Harper, yours Moda truly. Keel. <laughs> we know, had the you, X's you get... and Mo's debut uh, over the last week, and that was uh, excellent stuff from Mo. So, so you get great writers. There's no reason not to subscribe to the Athletic for a dollar a month. I mean, this isn't that's even right. like you know everybody says like oh it's your cup of co-. it's not even your cup of coffee. No, no, you can't get a cup of coffee for a buck anymore. Uh, so that being said, we got a ton of questions, and uh, I guess we should jump right in. Uh, first question, and this is a this is actually a really good question from Dan C. Uh, I'm a UK-based NBA fan, and have been listening to the pod for the last few years. I still don't have an NBA team to follow. Help me out. Who should I follow? And Seth, like you you said before we started, this is perfect because it's the opposite of how it normally goes. Yeah, no, usually there's been a, for I want to say about 20 years almost, it's been a, wow, I'm just getting into soccer. Help me pick a Premier League team. I do think it is a little bit of a harder question because soccer clubs have a little bit more of a sort of a persistent character for the most part than NBA teams do. Uh, just the the regionalism of, of soccer teams and also the, the promotion relegation system and just how sort of stratified it is. So... I mean, aside from like, we're not going to tell you to be a Lakers fan. Like, aside from being a Lakers fan, there isn't like a team that is sort of in the same spot at all times. So it's a little bit of uh, you might pick a team for a reason, and then in, in five years, the team's identity will be completely different. Uh, but that's okay. We're not. We're not. Uh, I don't think we're we're fan like uh, uh, fundamentalists here about right. telling you how you can be a fan of a team. So if you're picking a team to follow this year, I think is, or for the next couple of years, I think that's the best way to take the question. This is, this is actually a great year to pick a team. Cause I think you have a lot of options mm-hmm. across the board. I think you have, you can go anywhere from Oklahoma city. You can go Indiana, young teams. Like I, my view of it is pick a young team. That's fun and up and coming. And I think the best team, to do that with 
is actually the Orlando Magic. I think they're just a lot of fun. I think they're on the cusp of of being a playing maybe playoff team. I think you're having a lot more stuff there. I think you have Paolo Banchero, Franz Wagner. Those two just kind of as your cornerstones right now are, you know, really fun guys to root for. I think ultimately, like if I was picking a team and I was this fan in, in the UK, I think I'd go with the Orlando Magic just for the fear fact of like, this is a young, fun team, vibes well. They, I like their coach. I like Jamal Mosley. I think they have a lot of spirit there. Oklahoma City, also very fun. Also easy. You know, it's 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 probably the last year to jump on the Oklahoma City bandwagon. Like you're probably like doing the scene in the movies where you're chasing the the wagon and making an amazing leap to catch on to it. But uh, I think the uh, I think those are probably the two teams, and I throw Indiana as maybe the the third place team. But I think. Fun young teams need to be who you're thinking about and to grow with. And I think this is this is a good spot. I would go with Orlando. I think a UK fan definitely stick to the East Coast because if you're going to go visit, um, it makes it easy visit if you're going to go see some games. Uh, the one thing you have to worry about with Orlando, and I know English folks love Orlando and Disney World and all that. So maybe you just combine it all if, you, if you're a lover of that stuff. But that team may not be like even halfway decent in like two years. They don't have a good track record of success. So I would say you have to weigh the young and fun versus the how miserable do I want to be eight years from now when I'm rooting for this team. And I think that that's where I lean more toward like the Boston Celtics, the more traditional teams that that stay kind of in the mix. And it, it really is about that trade-off. It's do you want to root for Manchester United? You know, that'd be like the Boston Celtics. Or Manchester City? Or do you want to root for Newcastle? Uh, which, like, I did. And then we got new ownership, right? Like, so you, you maybe you root for the Orlando Magic. They're young and fun. And you're rooting for new ownership that actually keeps them consistent. I don't know. But the Orlando Magic right now have, if you're just looking for young and fun, they've got a good young defense, which is crazy. I think that's a pretty good choice. Atlanta is also not an awful choice. Trey Young's a fun guy to watch. Seth, <laughs> no, I so I, this is I, I love this question and and it's funny you said Newcastle because the other like the standard answer is is always been like oh Tottenham uh, because sure. they they've sort of been in the same like entertaining team a tradition of being an entertaining team and and sort of good location and just need a little bit of a tweak and and then they get you know they this year up until they got some injuries and stuff had been you know one of the two best two or three best teams in the league uh, with a new manager. Anyway, enough soccer. Um, I, I think of these teams just from a let's watch this team and, and watch them progress. I think Oklahoma City is the closest to sort of a, a fully formed team and would probably be the most satisfying over the next year or two. Indiana's tons of fun. Indiana is a great like drop in and watch, but they don't play any defense. And so you just there's a there's sort of a a ceiling on achievement. I think they're as good as they is as great as Tyrese Halliburton is. Um, we are probably gonna in in the new year probably gonna start debating which not just whether but which all NBA team he's gonna end up on this year. Uh, and Orlando is a little bit the reverse. And they, you mentioned the good defense, but their guard play is if you combine those teams, like, you know, do a merger and somehow get Halliburton throwing the ball to Ben Caro. Right. Uh, so that's why I would go with Oklahoma City. Um, I, I think it's too late on Oklahoma City. 
Mm -hmm. I just think like you didn't, you're coming in now after the two years where they were just miserable and, and, you know, like the, the team was rough and tanking and all of that stuff. I feel like with Orlando, like you say it with the guard play, they're just a guard away. Like, it's not like, and it's not even a massive one. I've said it many times. Like, that's who I want to see Malcolm Brogdon land. Like, that's where I, like, they're not far off in that sense. I mean, they're one guy setting the table for everybody away from being really, really freaking good. And I want to push back on Dave saying like, you know, the track record in two years from now and whatnot, this is, they've changed. Like they actually made the smart moves when they traded Aaron Gordon, when they traded Vucevic, uh, you know, like they, they've actually look how much better off they are than the bulls in the trade that they made, you know? And I think that's a massive win for them. And I think those are the things I'm looking at with them. And I just think when you're starting out as a young, as, as a fan joining a team, I think this is the perfect starting point to jump in with them. I think, like I said, OKC, it's a little bit late to me. Indiana's fun. I just don't know how sustainable it is when you score 157 but give up 152. Like, there's a, a <laughs> level of, like, you know, and it feels like a nightly basis. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not. But when you have an amazing offense and a god-awful defense, it's like, ah, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that, that was actually fun. Uh, next question is from Tim in and he mainly watches the thunder and, and their pick and roll where they don't actually set a pick but just kind of push or often touch and run by usually for a pick and pop and it looks weird to him he he says that they he knows that they run a lot of small small screens but they do it with chet too can you explain this and if other teams are doing it as much and mo i believe you did a one mo thing on ghost screens at some yeah. point in the last year yeah yeah, no, I, I was actually going to say that. Like, this is just a ghost screen, and this is something right. every team does. And I think part of it is the strategy behind that is that, you know, the defender's thinking, oh, a screen's coming. The guy who's on the ball and the guy guarding the screener, and they're getting ready to set that. And then, no, he just runs right by, you know, whatever, brushes mm -hmm. by and, and whatnot and, and peels out. Then it opens up a situation where then the defense is like, oh, crap what we thought was going to happen didn't happen. And now we have to adjust again on the fly. And I think that leads to a lot of problems defensively. I think it's a great thing for offenses. I think it's great for OKC uh, with just, you know, with, with Chet being able to shoot, I think it's kind of perfect because it's usually him playing center. It's a big chase in him most yeah. likely. The, and the that's ghost... a hard, that's a hard adjustment for a big to make on the fly. The the uh, I think the uh, they like Oklahoma City has a the has a good example of it. I think the prime realized example of it right now is Tatum and Porzingis. And you know we we sort of like we, it, we're we're like how is, is Boston actually running anything? And it's like sometimes they don't. And then but that's kind of a bread and butter thing that they've already just discovered early this year. And it's 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 what you're talking about. It's putting you know it's okay. Porzingis is probably guarded by a bigger guy. Do you who how do you guard Tatum? Uh, he might actually set a screen. So how does the how does the defender play that? Or do you switch it and now Tatum is going against a big, or Porzingis gets a small on him and can run him into the post, which is something he's gotten better at. And so it's you know I think we Mo you and I this show is actually we we talk about like not loving soft switches, uh, but on like the ghost screen, like it's almost like. You kind of have to. You, you almost it. have to. So it's yeah. so it's almost a if you have guys who if you have a guy with the ball who can shoot off the dribble, it it almost lets you pick your defensive matchup at times. 
And so that's why it's, it is, it does, if you're used to sort of the, the, you know, the Stockton to Malone, it does look weird and like, why aren't they, but it's. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, this is just, it's a different style of screen, right? Like when we talk about screening, we, we typically talk about making contact, getting good seals and stuff like that. When we talk about Aiton and the fact that he never makes contact, the ghost screen works because they don't know that the ghost screen's coming, right? The it, idea is they need to be yeah. ready for either. And it's almost like a hesitation dribble. You can get the defense to just freeze for a second. And now all of a sudden you've got room when you pop or you've got room to drive uh, against that switch. It's much closer to like a like a handoff or dribble handoff than right. it is because it's giving you, uh, it's, it's you know, to, to make a football analogy, it's like a triple option because you can, you can, like two, the two defenders are having to defend at least three different things. And that puts you in, um, you can, you can still guard it, but the more options you're making them counter, the more chances there is to make a mistake. Yeah. And then with you have, if you have, you know, a great shooter setting this, a great versatile shooter setting the screen, like Porzingis and, and, and Holmgren is becoming that. And, a you know, a, an A plus guy with the ball, like Tatum and Shea, both who are, you know, certainly in the first team all NBA conversation, it's just a very tough action to guard. Yep. Uh, next question from Stan H. With players such as Halliburton and Shangun thriving now that were drafted lower in the lottery, but were very skilled clearly going into the draft, I wonder if teams will look to adjust their draft strategies a bit and look less at raw athleticism and more at ball skills. Take the Warriors, for instance. If they had taken... Lamelo and and I'm assuming Franz Wagner instead of the more athletic and raw Wiseman and Kuminga, they would possibly be in a better place right now. What, what do you guys think about that? Do we care more? I mean, we talk a lot about tall ball now, but that's really skill ball. I mean, the flip side of that is, uh, I mean, Anthony Edwards was a guy who had some skill but still needed to develop, and it was mostly based on on not mostly but i mean his his potential is is the skill plus his overwhelming physical abilities so you know you can you can pick and choose your endpoints kind of but uh you know at the very top you still need that athletic pop i think it's so hard this question is so hard in the sense of like in hindsight yes the warriors screwed up massively with the picks that they made right like just think about how amazing that team would be with franz wagner Right. Like we're just sitting there going like this. T- this would be a, a whole different level. But it's it's just one of those things. First off, the draft is kind of a crapshoot. And we've seen some dudes that are skilled guys that go later that don't pop. Right. Like it's easy to point out the Halliburton's. It's easy to point out, you know, uh, Shen Goon and things like that. But like it's there's also guys that don't pop. And we also understand that, like how many times we see these dudes in the playoffs. I'm not talking about those two guys, but right. like they're not athletic enough to be on the floor. They're slow. They're pl- pod- plotting and things like, like there's just an element of that. I think it all comes down to your team. What's your current construction? What do you need? What are you looking for? I think sometimes teams are leaning too heavily on potential versus realization. But also if you're drafting in the lottery, even in the late lottery, you may not be looking for a guy that can be the, the, you, you, you need a refined piece. You might be saying, hey, we need a guy that's just going to pop or, and be the, a guy we can develop over the next couple of years. Like Edwards is a great example, Seth. Like that's a dude, you know, perfect example of the other way. And I think it's just 
it really is just dependent on teams, the situation they're in, their what their long-term plans are and stuff. It's just hard. And I think coming into the draft with these hard rules sometimes, I think is dumb for teams. And I, I think also, that makes it difficult. And I would say Halliburton and, and like Desmond Bain, those guys are a little bit different because they, they were already good and they improved a lot. Like they improved at, like you would expect a guy on a star trajectory to improve. Um, and, and Shingoon is, I, I mean, this could be that season where he's, he's making a leap. That's still pretty rare. You're not getting a lot of guys that, that fall out of the lottery that, that wind up in, in this position. I mean, the, overall, I think NBA teams do a pretty good job with this. The Warriors just have like this one oh. glaring, like absolutely yeah, the, the, massive, I mean, the, 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 the Wiseman, the, like the Wiseman over Mello is, is a very particular, and that's even, not even, you know, maybe you didn't like if they're maybe you decided you didn't like sure mellow ball which is fair enough it's we've talked about this a bunch but a guy as inexperienced as wiseman putting him in like well like sort of the highest decisions per minute situation in the league it just it was it was never you're always asking for a hard time there looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Also, we should also note, too, it was the 2020 draft. It's, like, well, if we're, right. we're going to hold that on them. Yeah. We got to acknowledge that that draft, information-wise, teams were at a massive disadvantage in terms of what they were getting, you know. And I think that was a a challenging uh, thing, just in that one situation for the the Warriors and a couple other teams. But I think uh, ultimately, like I said, it's just so team dependent. I just think having hard rules is is a a, a difficult thing going into the draft. We never draft this, or we only draft these yeah. guys. Like it's. I'm only yeah. drafting four-year players. Yeah, you know, and and those two those two examples, like if you want to, like uh, Halliburton was a guy that that you know a lot of people liked, but I don't think even his strongest backer would have predicted he could become this sort of like you thought he might be like a like a really high level connector, and his sure. development as a sort of primary like heliocentric offensive, you know, offensively dominant, um, like he's sort of become what people were maybe in a, in a different style perhaps, but like what people were hoping Cade Cunningham would be. And, and that's what Halliburton has become. And that's, you know, just from a standpoint of getting his own shot, he's progressed already well beyond what, you know, was really projectable coming in. And then Shengun, um, I think that, that uh, um, he is, he's taken an athletic improvement that I think is is unusual. Um, I think there was an article that just came out in in was it the Ringer talking about his work at P three, and I think that's not necessarily something you can always count on. But I think that's he was a guy who again was super productive, killed draft models and people liked him. But I think that the especially at the position he plays, 
like that that big step change in his athleticism has unlocked yeah. so much of his game. And and with Shingun, I, I think it, it, like I've already seen it this season as he hesitates less, especially on that pick and pop three. I think more things are even going to open up. Like he he may take a, a couple of mini leaps this season. Um, and I still I I mean we'll see how Amen Thompson works out when he gets healthy, but he's probably going to be their best playmaker this season as far as decision maker. So Shingun. So I think that there's even more, more, more juice to to be squeezed out of him this season, where he's just coming around. And and I think for him, the the athleticism is is as much about making him a two way player, which is I think right, you know, important as at it, you know, that the that big spot in a way it might be less so for Halliburton. Yeah. Also, Shingun, there's there are mixtapes out there with Shingun catching bodies like over and over and over again. So for a guy who hadn't played a whole lot, who we consider you know, to lack athleticism. I mean, he's got a pretty good highlight reel. So, um, you know, definitely go find that on the internet. All right, let's move on. Next question from Robert P. The Mavs seem to like to fall behind early and then come roaring back. However, the roaring back part doesn't work too well against the better teams. Is this just kid trying to figure out his rotation and players he can trust? Or is it something else? Is kid the right leader for this team? Now that's a loaded question. I'm going to duck the, the the back half of that question yeah. and more say that I think I think we've Dallas is a team that I think we are in agreement that we're expecting some regression from um, in in in, you know, in part because of of of, you know, what he's talking about and the fact that it works better against bad teams and good teams. And Dallas has the most wins against teams under 35 win pace of any team in the league. Uh as of yesterday, they were six and zero. No other team had had more than five wins, and that's a and good thing. You got to beat the bad teams. Yeah, but at the same time, they were one and three against the the, the good teams. So right. against the, the top level teams, and so that's that's a worry. And also, they had you know they they're two games above like their clutch expectancy, and so that's those wins count, but you can't necessarily count on them the rest of the year. So um, I think they've done really well. I just like. Unless Derek Lively really is that much of a stabilizing force as a as a you know a mid first round rookie, like I don't like um, wonder about the over, whether the talent level is enough to be more than about the sixth seed. Yeah, like you can get away with that against bad teams. Let's just be honest. Like in in that sense of like falling behind and then catching up. I mean, how many blown leads have the Spurs had this season? You know, I mean, it feels like they've had more blown leads than actual games they've played. And I, it, it's just that's the thing you can get away with only so many times. And you can't get away with that against good teams. Fall behind against Denver, fall behind against Minnesota, fall behind against Oklahoma City. Good luck catching them. I think the talent disparity on that roster is is pretty clear with that. And, and Luca has been great. I just don't know how long he can keep that up. And I think that's a massive challenge for the Mavs in terms of trying to figure out what they're doing and, and how everything's rolling. I think that's a big one uh, for them. Is kid the right guy for this team? I don't know. He doesn't have a great roster around him. Like it, I don't know if that's, I don't know what a coach, what coach is going to do. going to overperform with that roster. Like there are a lot of holes for me on that roster that I just look at going like they started out great, but I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next question. Um, is the consensus too low on the Phoenix Suns' chance of winning the title? Acknowledging defense and health concerns, 
picturing Beal Gordon taking open corner threes in place of a Kogi, Payne, Paul, etc. against Denver makes it hard to envision how they'll be defended. Uh, what do you guys think? Is the consensus too low on Phoenix? I mean, I, I think right now to start the season, we've all been disappointed, but there's injury stuff. But this is all kind of what we expected. They don't have many guys. I mean, they, you know, it just, I think the just don't have any guys. still too high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, I mean, the open corner three bit, that's fine. That's two shots a game where you're shooting 40% instead of 35%. That's neat. And at the other, but every other possession, would you rather have uh, Brad Beal or Josh Kogi guarding the <laughs> the other teams? Like, you know, probably their, their second best player since Booker seems to be, you know, in credit to him, seems to be taking on. And frankly, you might want to give him some, Give him give him some breaks and and have have a Kogi chase the main guy a little bit. So no, I don't. I, that's why we didn't love the Beal deal. Is just like if you, you're not if you're sending telling him to stand in the corner and shoot threes, you net probably do better from that spot with a guy who's a not as does not have as much athletic talent or as offensive talent because you're not really using most of his talent. Yeah, I think we we tend to lean on so much of like, but they're going to get so many open threes and this is going to be, you know, and, and how are everybody's going to guard everything and stuff like that, man, they'll figure that stuff out. It's first off where if you're telling me my playoff life depends on Josh Akogi in the corner, I'm looking for insurance. I'm scared. Like that's a, an, an issue in that sense. Like it's not something, you know, and yeah, he could shoot it well from the corner. Eric Gordon's going to get all these threes. Eric Gordon was also on a team that missed 27 straight threes in a game, like uh, in a game seven. Like I'm not I'm just saying like we always kind of bank on that stuff. For me, I look at it. Defense matters so much in the playoffs, so much more than we actually care to acknowledge. And it's so different in the regular season versus the, the playoffs. But like the Denver Nuggets had a great offense. There also was really freaking good defensively. And I think that matters a ton. And I think that's the stuff we're we're looking at. So when I look at Phoenix, just I don't see it. I don't I still don't see it with Nurkic, although he's playing really well offensively. I, I have still have questions of what's gonna happen for them in the playoffs with him. I don't think they have enough guys. We people want to talk about let's take the health out. You can't with these guys. Bradley Beal always misses a ton of games. Booker misses games, and KD has missed a bunch of games over the past few years. Like health is such a massive thing for them. Like, I don't even know if we're going to have a healthy Phoenix Suns roster. And even if we did, I don't think they make a difference in the playoffs beyond being like a second round team. Yeah. I, t I tend to agree with that. I just don't think they have enough. I didn't think they have enough uh, coming into the season. You know, the Beal thing is funny. Like if they could replace Beal with two pretty good players, three, I think that right they're a little bit better off, and I know that that's that's it's contrary gone. to what we've been taught, right? But if they had like you know Dorian Finney-Smith and you know maybe two other like high level role players, you could see like this team would just have a little bit more balance. It's no, I'm smiling because like that's what we said going into the off season is they need to, they need to trade Aiton for a couple of good, and they <sighs> traded Aiton for a couple and not a couple know. good though. Yeah. I mean, that's that the was, thing, right? That <laughs> was the thing. I mean, I couldn't be any lower on Aiton. And I was screaming how dumb that was. <laughs> right. I didn't understand it for them. Remember, I, I went on the podcast and said, you got to take them out of the contender status. Like, that's not a championship starting center. 
in, in Yusuf Nurkic. And, I, you know, maybe he was three years ago, but he ain't now. And I think yeah. that's just a massive one. Yeah, defense is going to be a problem for them come playoff time. All right, next question. Speaking of problems, oof. Robert R. asked, what can Detroit do to right their sinking ship? Are there any solutions to the construction of the current roster? Curious as to our take and the current projection of the team as a whole. Uh, Detroit's kind of a mess, guys. Uh, yeah, a lot draft of this more centers. Been, just draft more centers. Yeah. That's all they're going to Just draft more centers. I, I would start with this. You're a young, bad team. You just hired Monty Williams. You gave him a six-year contract, which means he has a ton of stability. He doesn't have to worry about his job. You're not good enough to win any games as it is. Why are you not, like, why are we just not getting Ivy and Sasser and Durant? I mean, just overwhelm me with minutes for the young guys. Work through all these problems while there's no expectation. Figure out what you got. We just know who Killian Hayes is at this point. I've seen it. I gotta. I need to know who your other guys are. I, I, I can't. I mean, I've done this almost on every podcast I've been on. I've done this in my writing. I've done this in my power rankings. The fact Kevin Knox gets more minutes than Jaden Ivey or Marcus Saucer is criminal. Like you, you, bad enough you're giving minutes to Killian Hayes, who we know already. You went and signed Kevin Knox, who you know already, to 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 take more minutes away from guys. Like, I I mean, it's a level of frustration with this team and this roster, and like the whole idea of, oh, well, you got to earn the minutes. You know, your defense matters or whatnot, and and things like that. Ain't nobody playing defense on that team. I haven't been impressed with their defense. I haven't walked away from like, oh, I understand what Monty Williams is doing. Killian Hayes' defense is so absolutely amazing that you know it outweighs the cons off on offense and we can give up on the draft pick that we you it was the fifth pick ivy i can't remember the fifth pick like you're you're just blowing these things you find a gem in marcus saucer late in the draft as our guy as the question earlier said like that's a guy that's a gem and you're not even giving him minutes and development is all about minutes most important thing in development is minutes it's the lifeblood of player development, and they simply are throwing that stuff away, and it's just frustrating to watch. Like, it's a frustrating watch for me. Also, I, I want to just say this about their offense. It's a black hole. Every single person that – I mean, they they had – I watched the game over the weekend. They It was dribble down the court, make no passes. I, I'll give Kevin Knox credit. He was one of the few guys trying to make plays for other people. He actually did try to move the ball. Had a nice hammer pass to the corner. Cade Cunningham, man, that guy dribbles into the lane. There is no, there is no passing the ball, and maybe it's because he doesn't have teammates that he trusts. But I would start there. I'd say, hey, how about sharing the ball a little bit on offense, and, and let's play our our better young players that have some high upside. Alec Burks, fine player. I like Alec Burks a lot. If Alec Burks was playing for you know the Golden State Warriors. Or if he was playing for the L.A. Lakers, fantastic. But for this young, bad team, you've got a veteran eating minutes that are crucial to development, as Mo just said. So I'm now reiterating Mo, but they drive me nuts to watch. It's not good basketball in any way. I don't see how anyone's learning. Even It was either uh, John Schumann or John Hollinger, I don't remember, which uh, came out with hey, the John. stat. Hey, John, with the stat that... Uh, <laughs> In every clutch game Detroit has played this year, they've scored fewer than one point per possession. 
in those in their clutch possessions. And this is just a little bit what you're talking about. When it gets down to it, they don't have any way of either individually or collectively creating advantage. I want to just finish up on this by saying it's a, it's a little bit galaxy brain that they're they're more all in on their second draft guys than they are on the guys they actually drafted. It's like it's like you know the so the second draft is an interesting idea. The jury is very much out on whether it's actually a thing. Whether a guy who you know guys who who don't fit in their first place can turn in 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 a, in a, in a better place. Like you know a, a success story of that might be like what Cam Reddish is doing in L.A., where he's sort of become a a very interesting defensive wing, um, which is which was always his best uh, attributes as a prospect anyway. Um, but instead, it's just like, well, Marvin Bagley didn't work. Let's let's sign him to a bunch of money, and he'll he'll work out here. Bring Kevin Knox in. He was a he was a, a highly thought of recruit and draft pick, and it's just like, but but these guys have already put a body of work in that is you know at least the unknown of an Ivy or a Sasser. Like let's 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 explore that. You're not and going I think anywhere. Bagley- Bagley's okay. Like Bagley has actually worked out, I think, okay. Like, I mean, he's been pretty productive and and but again, it's in the way of progress to to a certain degree. Uh, next question, I want to get to it because it's a big one and I want to make sure we have time. Um, and, and it's a little almost a two-parter because it goes well with the next question. Uh, from James R. There's been a general media consensus that losing good players for nothing is bad asset management. And He's wondering if the new second apron rules might change this. And he goes into, I mean, this is a great question. This is why I love, you know, doing these mailbags because you guys really get us thinking. So here's a couple of points that he makes. Currently, the worst contracts, in his opinion, are the super max contracts for players who are not the best player on their team. Think Carl Anthony Towns next season. Okay. And I'm not necessarily agreeing with it, but I, I get the thinking. Are we going to now see expanded to max contract for non-stars? Now, he says, think Siakam. I, I, look, Siakam's a star. That's an all-NBA player. Um, if he's not a star, I don't know is who is. Is this Ujiri's burner? I understand what he's saying here. So, essentially, you know, it, it's almost like max contract inflation that we dealt with. Do you guys think, and I think this is what he's asking, the second apron is going to prevent some of these bad, quote-unquote, bad max the fake maxes from being handed out i'm not sure if it will i think it's uh, my guess is it's more likely going to have uh an adjacent effect to that which is like okay well we've got these guys signed and our very productive six guy is is coming up and we just can't do it i think that's more because i, I do think the second apron is going to be treated as a de facto hard cap by most teams and you know it's the same thing as as the the original the 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 original luxury tax like at a certain point like your team has got to be pretty good to to want to justify that now with all the mechanical uh you know impacts of going that high like your team already be be pretty good because there's not a lot of ways to improve it once you're above that 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 high um i do think it, it that that the general media consensus it's a good rule of thumb don't let good players leave for nothing i think it's it's become too much of a fundamental i think that and we'll get into this more in the next question but i think that sort of turning over your non-star guys um and having guys who can come in behind and fill those roles on more affordable contracts is better asset management than well shit we got to resign our guys 
And a lot of times this asset management is about managing the salary cap. Like if you're above, you know, if you're above the salary cap, you want to stay above the salary cap. So when you go into the summer, you you want to be above the salary cap so that you can do, you know, you get other tools in your tool bag. So that's a reason to not let guys walk. You don't necessarily want to be a room, a cap room team. Um, it, it, if you're going into the summer as a contender, especially because free agency has just been killed by the extension. You know, um, teams are trading more and more every year for star players rather than signing them outright uh, in, in free agency. I it's I think we're still going to see these max contracts for guys like Tobias Harris and whatnot. And, you know, like we're going to still see these massive overpays for guys and we're going to go like, oh, OK, that was a lot. And I think a lot of it's going to be also teams going, hey, we're probably going to trade you in a year. Like, just honestly, how comfortable do you feel if the Boston Celtics don't win a championship? How confident do you feel Jalen Brown's going to be on the roster next year? I, I think that, and and he follows up here by by uh, saying, I look at the NHL where the hard cap has teams trading very good players away and having to attach picks so that other teams will eat the salary. So is it possible some very good players get traded for expirings just to get teams out of this, this, the second apron? I think that that may be true. We may wind up in a world... We're similar to baseball, you know, uh, about 10 years ago, you know, you'd sign a guy to a four year massive contract halfway through the season. Hey, we're not going to make the playoffs. And you can see guys get moved that early. I, I mean, I don't think it'll get to that point in the NBA just because individual stars matter so much more to winning than basically any other sport. Um, but there's a world in which maybe like your third guy, you sign a guy to be your third guy. And you're looking to move them out because you just it's not hitting. I, I think maybe faster decision making uh, may may be a side part of this. And and also uh, planning so you don't get yourself in that situation again. And I think I'm gonna, I think that that gets us to our next question. So so yeah, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll go ahead and jump on that next yeah. question. Um, Michael M asks the perfect follow up here. Uh, <laughs> asks about his bench. It, it Michael really M perfect. asking about his bench. Yeah, Michael M. Is that Michael Malone? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. The Nuggets offseason decision to save money by loading the roster with second round picks initially looked promising, but seems more questionable as soon as Murray got injured. It reminds me the Warriors failed to timeline plan. How do you view the Nuggets bench and how would you expect Denver to ride it out or look to add depth before the trade deadline? And I, I just want to start this by saying if you're the Denver Nuggets and you've lost Jamal Murray, well, we've seen this before. Uh, that That's a tough hill to climb. And I don't know if you can judge your bench when Murray's not out there because all of a sudden everyone's bounced up a role. So I, I'm not too worried about how they've performed with Murray out, but it is a fascinating question. I'm, I mean, I'll go further than that. It's if you're Denver, you're repeater bust for, for a championship your plan, everything you're planning is you have to assume what does this look like with Jokic and Murray healthy? Because if they're not healthy, it doesn't matter. So why are you spending any time examining what that looks like? I mean, it's just this is just a uh, the question of like if they had kept Bruce Brown and Jeff right. Green and Murray was out, they're still losing they the championship. They're yeah. still not. Nobody feels confident they'd win the championship. Like it doesn't. It's it's so much about the top level talent. Now, yes, those bench guys are going to be really important in the playoffs. They're going to have to step up and make plays and things like that. 
But I think it's just smart preparation on their end for that and understanding that, yo, we can't pay Bruce Brown. What was it? Two years, 40 million. Like we just simply, we, we just simply can't do that. Like it's not, it's not feasible for us. And I think that's one of those things there where, I think they were smart and looking ahead and it goes back to, again, how the teams are going to operate with the second apron coming around. But it also, I think is an important thing that the NBA has kind of gotten away from a little bit. Develop your players. Peyton Watson's been really good and he's going to have up and down struggles because he's a young guy, but that's part of development. Christian Brown, same thing. And he had big moments in the finals and the playoffs for them. I think there's a lot of stuff there, but I think looking at it this way, like for the, Nuggets, and we've said it several times. The road to the finals is as long as Jokic, uh, Murray, Gordon, and I'll even throw MPJ out there are healthy. That's their road to the finals. They might survive if MPJ goes down, but they won't survive if the other three go down. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I, and let's give KCP some love. Come on, man. You got to name the whole starting KCP lineup. They'll survive if KCP go down. Yeah. They'll survive if KCP goes down. They, they um, uh, the, the flip side of this, and this is, we, we've kind of debated some of Memphis's moves uh, before last year. And I think that they were attempting sort of a similar thing. And they kind of got hit with the double whammy of, first of all, Melton is probably, is he better than Bruce Brown? Maybe same level, maybe. Certainly not worse, but also was on a more, uh, was not, the same level of contract and then also they just you, you've talked about the development guys they've basically from the their, their draft and development of that that group coming in behind they basically struck out so how does this look different if david roddy or zaire williams or jake laravia are you know are are showing some promise it looks a lot different and you know is that a failure of development is that a failure of talent identification i don't know but it's the the theory was similar um i think that denver has just executed better um, and both in terms of who they chose to let go. And it seems like either picking or developing are both of those kind of younger guys. Yeah, things I feel like someone should throw like 15 million at Lane Vashra. That's what I would do if I were uh, running the NBA team. I definitely would hire away the entire draft squad from the Denver Nuggets. Those guys are uh, they're, they're on top of it. Um, hey, you know what, guys? We got two... Wizards questions, which I was shocked by. I didn't realize uh, people were even watching the Wizards outside of, you know, watching it like a train wreck. Um, so I'm going to ask both of these questions because, hey, shout out to the we're Wizards We're probably fans. never going to talk about suffering. them after this. Um, I mean, I really wanted to talk about this Jordan Poole, like running down the clock when you're losing by 10 thing. Oh. It, it's one of the most perfect uh, player signature moments in NBA history. If that's not a Nick, Jordan Nick, Poole move. Nick Young walked <laughs> so Jordan Poole could fly. Like that's the let's just listen, man. That that was just impressive tanking. Um okay, Lazarus O asks, will the Wizards set an unprecedented record of losses where they've allowed 140 plus points? They've already got three such losses. Does this make them one of the worst teams ever? Well, we happen to have a numbers guy. Uh, Seth did the numbers and I'm going to go out on a limb, Seth, and say that the Washington Wizards will not allow 140 plus points 24 or more times like the Denver Nuggets did. What year was that? Uh, 90-91. That was when they had uh, Paul Westhead and they they tried to bring the Loyola Marymount style to the system uh, to to the NBA. And I mean, to be fair to that Nuggets team, they were very bad defensively. They are also the highest-paced team. They played at about 115 possessions per game. 
which and where you know, would that be in the league now? I would be first. I mean, the, the league is at the by highest pace uh, by about, uh, I don't know by about how much, probably about 10 possessions a game. The league as a whole is at just uh, right around 100 right now. So it's, you know, another 15% of the, uh, on top of what is in a extremely high pace environment that we're playing in now. So, uh, even, but even if you scale that to like def, uh, defensive rating of games over 130, uh, last year's uh, Blazers, <laughs> had 21 games where they allowed a, a defensive rating of 130 or more. Uh, and I believe the Wizards have done it two or three times this year. The so Pacers even, have allowed 150 twice already this season. And one one. Just, one once. Yeah. We, we're, we're in uh, a totally different world um, when you're scoring that much in regulation. I mean, this is just, uh, yeah, the defense is not existent in the NBA right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Second part of this question. That one was just fun. Um, Dean H., who doesn't expect any Wizards talk, um, but he wants a minute on how comically bad... This Wizards team is and how terrible of a situation it is in D.C. The team on the court could be the worst since a Poland sold the team off the court. Fan apathy is probably at an all time high. And that's really saying something for the Washington Wizards. I, this I, is paying the piper of not dealing Beal sooner. Right. This is this is making that mistake, though, in, in that sense. But I also think. Look. This team's awful. They know they're awful. They they have set themselves up to have possible trade assets. I think, you know, whether Kuzma gets dealt this year at the deadline or in the offseason, there are going to be teams lining up for them. This is the this is what it looks like when you're beginning to demo the house. Right. Right. And I think this is what they're doing. I mean, they're we're getting get ready, Washington, for like a long rebuild. I'll give you this though. I'll give you a little bit bright spot, like one shiny, tiny, tiny bit of light. I really enjoy Bilal Koulibaly. He can play. 
He can play, and he's further ahead than I think anybody even expected, including the Wizards. Like, I think, you know, he's shooting it at a pretty high level. He looks comfortable. He makes the right passes. He swings the ball. He drives when he's supposed to. He's defending. He's doing all the small things. Fortunately, he's not going to get a lot of touches because Jordan Poole's there trying to run out the clock, even though it's not running, uh, or 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 the other way around. Uh, it is right. Forget this. It was so dumb. <laughs> I don't even remember fully what happened. Um, he didn't know the play. He didn't play. He doesn't pay attention during timeouts. Mo. No, I mean, there's just so many things with that. But like. They are setting themselves up to be able to now late doing it late, but they're setting themselves up to try to, Hey, I think they're trying to make sure they're in position to not this draft, but next draft get yeah. Cooper flag. And I lower think the flag or raise the white flag or, for Cooper. Or flag. Camboozer I, don't, or, I don't know what we're doing here for, for Cooper flag, but you're doing something. Yeah. They're, they're, they're playing around with a lot of this stuff. And I think the, uh, um, uh, what you're watching for right now is like it is comically bad. It's awful. Like it's just not. It's a but embrace tough watch. It. But you're yeah, gonna see it, Jordan Poole do something insane almost every single night that we've never seen before. So just embrace it. It's fun. You're gonna see the dumbest thing on a nightly basis. Like it's sort of like how when we talk about watching Wemby and even Chet to a, a, a degree when we see stuff going like I didn't know you could do that. It's the other <laughs> way around. With way. Except it's like it, it, <laughs> yeah. except it, 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 it's more going to be pool saying, "I didn't know you couldn't do that." Right. I think there's a a um, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. But like, it's going to be tough in Washington for a while. Like, this is the start of the rebuild. It's long overdue. They've been resistant to do it. They're finally doing it, and now it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be painful for a little bit. I I mean, this is you know. This is your New Year's resolution, how bad you feel when you go back to the gym for the first time. And right. it's like it's like you feel terrible, but it's better you did than you didn't. And, you know, they're they're late on this rebuild, but at least they've kind of uh, not only have have chosen this path, but have turned over their leadership. And the new leadership clearly has a mandate to go down this path. So if you're if you are sick of sort of being stuck on not even quite the middle, like where you're gunning for that ninth seed every year. Um, and, and now, okay, that's, that's enough of that. Let's be real bad and then hopefully get good again in the future. At least you started on that path. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, the best time to start a rebuild for a bad team is a year ago, right? Second best time yesterday. Might as well start today. And that, this is actually the first, I mean, this is, objectively the first year of what's going to be a two or three, maybe four year rebuild. Um, I think this year will probably be the least amount of fun for wizards fans because it's just Bilal And that's about it. That's like the only hope you've got. Whereas and he's sort of a summer, side dish this year. Right. Whereas, exactly. whereas next year, like if, if, you know, it's like uh, this guy's interesting and maybe next year's the year he's like, this might be a dude. You're, you're, that, you're honestly hoping if you're Washington fans, they move Kuzma at the deadline. They find a taker for pool in the off season. I mean, like, I don't know if you will, but I'm, I, I know you're shaking. If your I'm head trying to get day. a top three, hey, if I'm trying to get a top three draft pick, the, Jordan pool is the captain of my team. I mean, I that, that is, but, I mean, I'm putting the, we want a 35 usage. I want him taking 20 shots a game. I want, I mean, there's no one I can think of who's more well-suited to lose you know, 70 games in a season. 
<laughs> no, but I but I I think the 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 problem is you also need to develop your guys as you're going right. through. And 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 that's just not happening. Like I'll just be like it was a few weeks ago, but there was the I think it was the Toronto Washington game. Bilal Kulabali comes in in the first quarter, four minutes left. I'm almost positive he didn't have a single touch. I'm almost positive he didn't touch the ball for four minutes. And I think that even includes inbounding. Like it's just like I I that's the problem. But you just want to hope they 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 really do strip these things, tear this thing down to the studs, even if it means moving Denny, like whatever. Like it's right now you need to just start to being at the very bottom to get yeah. to get started. It's gonna be a long process. Um, I don't know how people will feel about saying trust the process, but this is what the uh the the deal is for them. Also, I, hey, I think if you and, are gonna say trust trust though, they do have I mean uh Mike Winger is a very well respected uh um front office came from Oklahoma City and and the Clippers. And um uh so I think that there is more reason to it's not sort of a mem uh, like a like a member of of kind of the the they used to call it in Minnesota. They used to call it the country club, whereas everyone kind right. of came out of the same circle. And Washington has sort of turned that over as well. Um, I will say, I think I'm a little more with Dave than with Mo on on the the tanking thing, just because I don't think you have enough of your go forward guys even on the roster yet to to for the reps to to like it's it's Kubalali and and that's kind of it. Yeah. That's enough. That's point taken. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel I honestly I feel bad for Wes Unsell Jr. I mean, you know, a head coach, a young head coach being in that position. I'm hoping that like we hear some extension news where they're just like, hey, we know this is bad. Um you know they're gonna, not. I mean, there's I a know. for failure, and it's yeah. a, a a massive uh problem. I really I, I mean when they when they do that with guys. And things like that. Like, that's just, let's just be honest. And this isn't on, on West. That's a losing culture being set in Washington. Nobody coming down on pools, not paying attention in the timeouts, and then trying to find out at the last second what the play is. Like, that needs to be dealt with on several levels. And, I mean, that's the stuff. That's a losing culture that they're setting up. And that's that's actually, to be honest, the downfall of Brett Brown. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, you got to be careful with it playing out. I got to give Oklahoma city credit. I went nuts on them a year or two ago. Remember? And, and I think you got to look at the, what they've done with Mark Dagnall. Like he's done a great job and they've also in the process of tanking developed guys. And I think that's been an important thing and he's a great coach. And I think that's an important aspect with that. And I think you're seeing the fruits of that. And I don't think Washington is going to do that with uh Wes and and even if they get close to being good they'll fire him. How about that? That's more than 1 minute on the Washington Wizards. Also, let's rebrand. Be the Bullets again. Come on. Let's let's just be the Generals gotta, for a year. Yeah, something in name Anything as well as The Wizards got to go. Like <laughs> let's just rebrand the whole thing, like lose the stink. A uh, couple more questions. Uh Rob R asks um if Fox finishes the year like he has started, is he a legitimate MVP candidate? Uh, you know, Seth, I, we'll, we'll kind of talk numbers a little bit. I mean, he's at like 35 and five, roughly the shooting numbers are pretty good. I think he's 48% on twos or overall about 38% from three. Um, I, I, the numbers are there. Like this is all, these are all NBA numbers. Um, 
I think with the MVP, you have to split hairs, and that's when it gets into I mean, winning. I think they're, Do I think they win enough seven games? Seven and one with him, though. Right. Like I was gonna, I was gonna be like, well, are they gonna win enough? Well, since he kind of has come back in the lineup, yes, they're winning all their games. So yes, they, they kind of had it. They scuffled to start the season, and now he's back, and they're not. Um, so I was initially like, nah. Um, but if they if he keeps playing this way and they win, you know, they win 80 percent of their games with him playing, then yeah, he'll be right there. Now I think that you know that's sort of like a little bit like Mo's. If all these things happen, uh, Wemby will be the defensive player of the year. Which uh, you know, that's not to pick on you, Mo. I think Wemby is. We we've, we've talked about Wemby's done everything he possibly could, and it's just too much other stuff around him. So um, the weird thing is though is is like. There's still the there's still like the, the almost the subtle debate of did they pick the wrong point guard, and I think that's a that's a little bit that's a little bit tough on them, just because how good Halliburton has become now that he got that now that he's been given the keys in Indiana. But Fox has been great. And I just great. don't think the difference yeah. is that much. I, I yeah. think ideally, and Mo, you probably agree with me here. Ideally, they would have just had both. <laughs> like, you know, the Sabonis trade. Look, Sabonis has been a great player for them he's a really really productive regular season guy but mo like the, the thing that is going to hold them back in the playoffs is going to be sabonis right like and you could imagine a world where if they had both of those guys it might go easier but i mean mo what fox has done and and what he does in the fourth quarter in particular i think stands out and when it comes to the mvp talk if they're top three in the west and he's still putting up 30 points a game and, and leading these fourth quarter charges, I mean, he's going to get votes, right, Mo? Yeah, listen, my appetite for MVP talk in November is very, and, very, uh, very And you low. know me. I mean, well, I haven't eaten any turkey. I can't talk about MVP, but uh, just ask, ask, you know, we're asking a question about the end of the season. I'm, I get it. I get it. But it's also like really projecting so far out of what's, what can happen. Like there's a, a – it's too tough for me. Now – Look, there's an element like he's going to get votes if they're a top three team as same with Shea if OKC is a top three team, Anthony Edwards, if the Wolves are a top three team like there's a it's it's such a I'll say this about the MVP field right now. It's quite wide when you look at in terms of at least the top five, right? Any order of Jokic and B, Tatum, Giannis, you know, uh, Fox, Shea. Uh, Edwards, there's probably other guys I'm leaving out, like that have legitimate shots at it. Luca, Luca, you know, I think there's just so LeBron, much. Kevin Durant. Uh, have, yeah, is, I mean, this is the we wild, half the league. I mean, this yeah. is the wildest thing so far. So, like, this early, it's so wide that it's like for me, and I, I, I. I'm just going to just say, like, we got to wait till this thing filters down because guys will take themselves out of it on their own. Can I propose a rule? No. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to anyway. Uh, the Elam ending. No. Um, uh, the, the no MVP talk until after the in-season tournament championship game. No, tell the calendar. I mean, I think it's. I really think it's. It's kind of New Year's. I think it's well, but I mean, people are, but it's going to get talked about on Christmas Day. And so it's not. Yeah. 
I'd, let's I put know. it this way. Not I'd rather MV, I'd rather MVP talk than who's the next star to get traded talk or this star who's about to Agreed. play in this game on TV. When will he get traded? I'd rather we talk about the MVP than that. Uncle's I'd rather we talk better. about the games. I'm not going to let the perfect be enemy of good here. <laughs> That's right. All right. I got one last question, guys. And, and this one, you know, Mo, you said you, you know, you want to talk about the game. Sorry. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving sides from Benjamin well, I, A. Talking about food, please, this is great. I love this. Please analogize boy. NBA players with Thanksgiving sides. Um, this is the last question, by the way. I thought I, we'd end on something fun here. Um, you guys have any NBA sides for players? I actually did this over on YouTube. I don't I don't know if it's up yet, but uh, we, we had a little fun with this the other day. This is an area where I'm not very good at analyzing. I'll, <laughs> I'll say this. Analogy. Mason Plumley is green bean casserole. I... <laughs> Go on. That's it. I mean, I don't need to explain it. Everyone already knows. Well, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, the, the Clippers are missing. I've, I've never missed green bean casserole when it's not there. <laughs> okay. Right. I try to actively <laughs> avoid it, but uh, uh, okay. I don't know. I don't know that they're missing. Um, Mason well, let's, Plumlee, do, let's but... do this way. First, what's your favorite sides of Thanksgiving? I'm going to hijack the question here. Oh man, they started with but they started on buds with this the other day. I mean, like the best sides are. I mean, stuffing. does pumpkin pie count as a side? I don't no, know. It's a dessert. Does pumpkin pie is a dessert. Yeah, it's probably stuffing, stuffing, and and it has to be the right kind of stuffing. Well, do you do stuffing or dressing? Stuffing's in the bird, dressing's in a pan. I no, it, we're doing. I guess we're doing dressing this year because yeah, dressing's better because it's Christmas. Uh, I'm not cooking a whole bird, so I, I am going with mashed potatoes and gravy. Mm. It's uh -huh. just the perfect, and then because you could turkey can be a little bit dry, but then you could dip it in the gravy with the mashed potatoes. Kind of fixes a lot of things there. So that's a big one for me. I that's love a good mashed so, potato and Draymond Green. No, I was going to say mashed potatoes and gravy is Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Ooh, to the turkey that is Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Jokic is a turkey. That's pretty good. All right. We, we don't have any answers no, uh, for this we, one. That one was just fun. I will, anyway, we will not make the butterball joke because he's moved well beyond that. that no, he's that's good. right. He's good. Uh, anyway, from, from Seth and Mo and myself and everybody at the Athletic NBA show, just want to wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving. Everybody be safe uh, if you're on the safe road. Safe travels. Yeah, it's uh, it's nuts out there. I've already seen the air, airport lines are, are crazy. And, uh, you know, obviously holiday travel is... Uh, gonna be hectic so everybody stay safe have a good turkey day eat too much sleep too much get some rest and thanks for listening to the athletic nba show